What don't you want? Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. We've discussed in the past the hit-or-miss nature of accurately representing Texas in film and television. We're looking at you, History Channel. But every once in a while, a film comes along that's so dead-on, so perfectly Texan, that we can't help but get excited about it. Against a backdrop of struggling farms and oil boomtowns in West Texas, Oscar-nominated Heller Highwater weaves a familiar tale of the little guy striking back against the system that has done him and his family wrong. Layered over the simple plot is a wonderful cast of Texas characters, which ring very, very, very true. But first, what's your favorite fake oil derrick in Texas? Well, I've always had a fondness for the giant oil derrick-shaped sign that's in front of a strip mall in Houston. Uh, I think it's somewhere along I-45. Um, it maybe i-10 i don't remember we took both routes through the city at various times but uh i'd always look out for that whenever we travel ah speaking of traveling there was this uh fake oil derrick in front of a truck stop in ty which is a little town just outside of abilene just west of abilene and i always enjoyed seeing that derrick because uh that meant we only had another hour to go before we got to odessa (laughs) and then another hour after that to get to wink so but we always stopped at my great-grandmother's for for pie and rest before we went on to wink. So that, that was like, Oh, there our eight hour drive is almost partially over. Well, I'm just going to say this. I love both of you guys. I think you're great. You're longtime friends, but you're both completely wrong. The very best fake oil Derek in Texas is the Houston Oilers logo. I love you, blue Houston Oilers. Rip. Rip, Houston Oilers. I know. Rest in peace, guys. God bless. So we're here today to talk about Hell or High Water. Um, Before we get started, I just want to tell all of our listeners, if you have not seen this movie, go out and watch it. Um, It's available on home video. Um, You can rent it on iTunes. You can go get the Blu-ray. It's really, really great. It's also showing uh, on an airplane, which is where I watched it. (laughs) Um, It was just released uh, as of this recording last year in 2016. The original title was Comancheria. For various reasons, I guess that was deemed not a marketable title, so they retitled it Hell or High Water. This movie was written by a man named Taylor Sheridan, who was born and raised in Texas. Uh, He was born and lived in a city or town called Cranfills Gap. He flunked out of Texas State University and ended up going to L.A. when there was a talent scout told him to give it a shot as an actor. So he went out there, had a pretty good career acting. He was in uh, TV shows such as Veronica Mars, and he had a nice long run as the sheriff on uh, Sons of Anarchy. Um, And then after he was 40 years old, uh, he decided to start screenwriting. And his first produced script was a little movie you may have heard of called Sicario, uh, starring Emily Blunt, Josh Brolin, and Benicio Del Toro. Yeah, so it was directed by uh, Dennis Villanueva, who has gone on to direct several other very critically acclaimed movies, including The Arrival and the upcoming uh, Blade Runner sequel, Mm -hmm. to name a couple. 
Um, so that's a really great debut for this, you know, Texas born and bred screenwriter. And let me just throw out one quick tiny thing about Cranfield's Gap that uh, I was unaware of until recently because I was like, what the heck's Cranfield's Gap? Uh, when you get to Hillsboro, if you go east on 20 or you go west on 22 and you start heading out west, you'll run into Cranfield's Gap. And it's one, it's a neat little town that is uh, one of the, we talked about all these crazy European heritage towns. It's actually all, it was one Norwegian-founded town. So there's all these Norwegian families. It was like a Norwegian gathering out there. It is in the middle of nowhere, literally. In the middle of the nowhere. Middle, middle but, of nowhere. But there's a bunch of Norwegians there who will be happy to have you come visit yeah. them. And and it was, <laughs> it is, it is deep in Comancheria too. <laughs> for <laughs> yeah. sure. For sure, um, for sure. So the movie was produced, one of the producers was Peter Berg, actually, uh, who yeah. is a former actor and a fantastic director uh, who's very familiar with Texas because he Texas directed, forever. Yeah, he directed the Friday Night Lights, which is uh, one of the great Texas movies of all time. So, yeah, as well as uh, Lone Survivor and Hancock and Deepwater Horizon. So great director, and he was instrumental, one of the people instrumental in in getting this movie developed. We're going to introduce you to a concept. Uh, that's called the blacklist. And yes. Mike, you want to you want to talk a little bit about what the blacklist is? So there's a guy named Franklin Leonard who started a thing called the blacklist, and they have actually a wonderful podcast, and there's a whole website around this. But scripts that were found by interesting people that worked in production offices but weren't getting any any traction would somehow end up on this thing called the blacklist, and it was this sort of secret underground network that was sharing these scripts, these incredible scripts, but they were like, these are amazing scripts are never getting made. But somehow over the years, these things have sort of drifted in the hands of people who've now got a little bit of juice and they started making these movies. These are movies like Juno, like Whiplash, like Hell or High Water. And like, like Oscar winners, Argo, yes. Juno, the descendants, slumdog millionaire, Spotlight and the Revenant. So and these the are movies. Speech. Yeah, these are yeah. all scripts that were like people read them like this is an amazing script. They should make this movie. Yeah. And somebody said absolutely should make this movie, but it'll never get made. So yeah. the blacklist has kind of emerged as this source of like really great writing that that gets uh, some views. So this was a blacklist film, and of course it also was nominated for several Oscars. So we're very proud of it, and it was done by a Texan. So way to go, Taylor. Yeah, yeah. And I say all of this discussion here is. Um, Basically, just to explain one of the reasons that we like this movie so much is that it's got real Texan roots. Um, this isn't, you know, some outsider's view of what Texas is. Um, this has actually got some really authentic, um, you know, Texan history behind yeah. its production. I'll take one better, Scott, and I'll say this. They, we lambasted and we roasted Texas Rising for their lack of understanding of Texas geography. This film really got the geography right. Like this guy, he, he was able to go to Google Maps or open a, an atlas and look at it and figure out exactly which towns were where. And it so very much makes sense that you leave one town and you get there 15 minutes later when you drive west. Mm -hmm. now, and Now the director is a man named David McKenzie and he's a Scotsman. Uh, but Fortunately, having producers and, and uh, screenwriters who, who know the area uh, has, has helped. The only problem that we're going to have with this movie, and, and we'll get into this, but um, uh, location, 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 
sadly <laughs> enough, the film was filmed in New Mexico. So while there are while the towns are right and they're and their proximity to each other, Vernon, uh, Seymour, Olney, uh, Archer City, uh, Wichita Falls, those towns, um, none of them actually are in, uh, filmed in those towns. They're filmed in, in New Mexico. So that was yeah. the only thing that took me a little bit out of the movie was I grew up in that area. So I was like, I know that area doesn't look like that. Right. Well, in a very sad note, recently they just announced that like the whole, there's a whole Texas film commission that, that works to give tax incentives and, uh, assistance to bring film productions to Texas, particularly films that are set in Texas. And that uh, that that has uh, received a major cut to its funding. So I don't know. So unless you really love Texas, most of the Texas films you see are probably going to be filmed in either New Mexico or Vancouver. So yeah, <laughs> we'll or keep Mexico. our fingers crossed. I, I I will say that you know, in spite of it being um, filmed in New Mexico, this is perhaps one of, if not the most authentically Texan-looking mm-hmm. um, yes films about texas that was not actually filmed in texas so i know we've had that list before of what's the the most texan movie not filmed in texas and uh this can now go to the top of my list yes yeah so so let's talk about the movie all right yeah Uh, yeah so the the movie it, it actually it stars uh chris pine who many of you know as captain kirk in the rebooted star trek movies uh, some of you may think he's Thor or Captain America or the guy from Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy, but he's not. As Different Saturday Night Chris. Live, yeah, as Saturday Night Live showed, he's, he's one of the Chris's, one of Hollywood Chris's. But uh, he plays uh, a divorced father. Uh, and Ben Foster, what had Ben Foster been in? I can't even think of. Well, um, uh, he gonna... was also in Lone Survivor. Um, he was in a movie with Chris Pine, in fact, yeah. uh, that just also came out last year, uh, The Finest Hour. Oh, okay. See, the problem is I think of Chris Pine as, to me, he's always just going to be the son of Robert Pine, who was Sergeant Gutierre on Chips. So that just is an (laughs) unmovable block in my childhood. I just can't deal with that. But he's he's just the son of the guy from Chips. Okay, so I I know where I've seen uh, Ben Foster. He was in... He was in 310 to Yuma. That's yeah. that, and he yeah. was in the X-Men the Last Stand. So that's yes. where I know the guy. Warren Worthington the 3rd Angel. Well, yes. he was I mean, exceptional in this. I mean, I think yeah. that this was a thing of everybody I watched this movie. It's a serious drama. It's a lot of heavy like but at the same time like everybody was on their A game. Everybody got turned up to 11. Everybody's having a ball. Okay, um, so so here's the plot. Here's go, the plot. Go Chris, for the plot, Chris, Sean. Chris Chris Pine and Ben Foster are brothers. Uh, and, uh, Ben Foster's an ex-con, uh, Chris Pine's a divorced father, uh, and they are setting out to do these very early morning robberies at branches of this particular bank, the Texas Midland Bank. And, uh, Ben Foster's character, Tanner, is kind of a, is a, is a wild man, takes a lot of unnecessary risks, and it's very quickly apparent that Chris Pine's character, Toby, is, is much more conservative and, uh, but there's something going on with what they're doing. They're not criminals. Uh, uh, Tanner's a criminal, but Toby's not. He's a straight, straight-laced guy. Um, and so they were robbing these banks, and but because it's bank robberies exclusively in Texas, the Texas Rangers become involved rather than the FBI. And so there's two Texas Rangers. One is Jeff Bridges' character. He's uh, about to be retired, gruff. Uh, Texas Ranger, I think we've decided that Jeff Bridges now is taking roles exclusively on uh, the ability to, to 
keep a gruff accent and not have to shave his beard. <laughs> um, so he's, I think he's got a, a big handlebar mustache, right? I don't think he's, I don't think he's got full beard. I think he's got a kind of a, a Sam Elliott mm, power mustache. And uh, the other character is, is his partner, Alberto Parker, whose name is uh, actor named uh, Gil Birmingham. Born in who, San Antonio, Texas. Yeah, yeah, born in San Antonio, Texas. He is a uh, uh, an American actor of uh, Native American and Hispanic descent. And, in fact, his character is uh, obviously uh, a, a Native American and Hispanic descent Texas Ranger. And so they are going to go after these uh, these two bank robbers. They quickly figure out that they're they're not interested in violence. They're they're doing these robberies at these, this particular bank, and they think that they're going to hit another of the branches of the bank. Um, and then it turns out that what they do is they, they hit a couple of banks, and then they take their money to an Indian casino in Oklahoma, which I believe is the Comanche Casino in Lawton, which we have talked about in our Comanche episode. Uh, and they take their money to this casino they get a bunch of chips, and then when they leave the casino, they don't gamble very much. Actually, Tanner gambles and gets quite a lot more money. Uh, and uh, they cash them out to a check made out to the Texas Midlands Bank, which is the bank that they robbed. So it's 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 kind of putting together a little mystery here of what... Okay, so the reasons for what they're doing is really one of the, one of the highlights, I think, of the movie. Um, because... The movie is actually set in 2009, 2010, and you can tell this because there's a there's some graffiti on the banks. One of the one graffiti says uh, something along the lines of "billions in bailout, but I still lose my my farm" or something like that. And I, it, it's not set in 2016; it's set a little bit behind. And I think it is there's a theme here of frontier justice and reaction to the recession and to the the, the bailout the 2008 bailout here uh yeah i kind of like the depression kind of like uh, the grapes of wrath and, and the and the bonnie and clyde you know where these characters we, we kind of need to know are these characters robin hood characters or or what is their motive behind what they're doing yeah and you know along those same lines there's a lot of billboards and stuff about debt relief and mm-hmm. you know right. all of the things that people were concerned about in that time and one of the things that felt authentic to me, too, was the fact that it was set out in West Texas, and um, a lot of the story um, is driven by the idea of the boomtown uh, thing where, you know, there's a lot of wealth, and then it goes away. Um, every once in a while, it spikes again, but um, it never really gets back to where it was before. Yeah. Well, um, it, it, it to borrow a little bit from uh, Stephen King and his his gunslinger stories, uh, his Dark Tower stories. Uh, it feels a bit like this part of Texas has moved on. Well, let me just say this: so the thing that I liked most about it, from just like an overall theme point of view, is the fact that this movie is about the tenuous relationship between two sets of two men, and so you have Jeff Bridges, who's constantly giving his partner a hard time, you know, making lots of inappropriate and racist jokes but he's just this crusty old <laughs> white guy and his yeah. partner hates it but sort of he likes him you know they're partners they've been doing this for a long time he's like well what you're going to be super bored when you're sitting on the porch old fart and you're waiting for me you know there's a really an interesting there's so many parallels and then there's this parallels between there's this brother who's sort of failed as a husband 
but he's a super great guy. He's never been in trouble with the law, never done anything wrong. And his brother, who is just a pain in the neck and has just had nothing but trouble. And, and has recently gotten out of prison. Yeah, and is a little nuts. He's And he's nuts. And so you sort of have these two parallels in how they're operating. So anyway, I just think that's a really interesting um, trope of the writer that he just sort of said, dealt with both of yeah, those two and, together. And stylistically, I felt the movie had a feel. It, it had it bordered on having a feel of two, two different directors. One of them, it had kind of a feel of a, of a Sam Peckinpah movie, but there wasn't quite as much doom as the Sam Peckinpah movies tend to have. But at the same time, I really felt like it felt a lot like a Coen Brothers movie and, and not in the slapstick or the comedy or the ridiculousness. There was comedy in here and it was very funny. There's some very funny parts, but it was more that flat tone of, you know, No Country for Old Men had that, that feeling as well of of there was there's this there's this abstractness to to what's going on. Uh, and you really feel that you also kind of have the themes of the, the slightly incompetent cr- criminals and the, uh, or the out of their place, out of their element criminals. And, and then the, 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 the reliability and the stoicism of, of the lawmen, which seems to be a feature of Fargo and, uh, of, of no country for old men and several of the of Coen brothers dramas. So, yeah, I, I did think it was interesting. If you, if you strip off, in my mind, all of the great character work and the great atmosphere and the setting, um, it's really a pretty straightforward, almost cliche plot. Mm-hmm. But by adding those, you know, these wonderful characters on top of that, um, it just elevates it to a completely different level. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 a it's a, you know, it is it is certainly a, a, a genre picture. It's it's a it's a crime noir, you know, Western noir, really, more than anything. And the noir movies had very basic uh, plot elements. It was just the yeah. things that, the mood and the atmosphere that went into those noir movies that gave them their character. And I think yeah. this is and the same. I was to say, I actually uh, read uh, something from uh, the writer Taylor Sheridan where he had said that you know when he started writing, um, after all his years and reading TV scripts and all of the uh, overbearing exposition uh, that he had to deal with, he was like, you know what, I just want to concentrate on the boring basic plot so that I can concentrate on uh, all the character stuff that goes around that. Well, I, I love the details. Like, there, I mean, the thing is, is that this is a funny movie, and that you know, Jeff Bridges is an eminently likable person, a likable racist. But no, no, I mean, just as an as an actor, like, doesn't matter yes. who he's playing. Even when, you know, the bad guy in Iron Man, he's absolutely lovable. Yes. And whatever he does, it's like you like him, even if he's a bad guy. He's an honorable Texas Ranger. Like, he can you can't get any better than that. Um, just go back and listen to our Ranger episodes. But it's interesting to me that. They're really kind of, they're trying to solve a crime that nobody wants to have solved because somebody robbed these banks at a time when nobody was there. There's clearly like a, a like, let's get the bank. The two things I was going to highlight are one is there's the waitress in the restaurant and there's a whole scene around <laughs> her. Of, you know, she gets this yeah. big tip from them and he's, he's handsome and he's very nice. And she clearly yes. has seen Chris Pine's face and she's like, I couldn't tell you what he looked like. Yeah. And you're not taking my tip. You need a warrant to get my tip, <laughs> you know? And, and he gets it. And take take a take <laughs> a wagalaw, man. And then yeah. the other thing is that um I there's that very realistic piece of 
Texas lore, and I and again, I think we just recently talked about Aaron in the Gun Rights in Texas podcast. But uh, I mean, everybody's got a gun in their truck or in their glove box or in their sock in this movie, and yeah. uh, the number of armed citizens walking around in this is just. But there's again, it's a West. Te- I think it's part of the West Texas mythos of you know, uh, you you're a bit on your own. You take we take care of our own. We take care of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, there's, and, well, there's a scene where there's a scene where Bridges is walking when he goes to the first bank and a truck pulls up and the guy says, "I'll I'll be on the lookout. If I catch him, I'm going to hang him." And and Bridges like says something like, "Uh, you better be kidding" or something like that. Is like maybe you're not. Yeah, yeah, maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. And it's like there's some seriousness there. <laughs> they, well, he even says can't. something is like, "Man, yeah. I, I it's like nothing like West Texas or something." He makes a yeah. comment about West Texas there. So, apologies to West Texans that might be listening to the show. I just I think it's interesting that he really caught the tone of of that and he really captured the yeah, the frustration of that time of why are these why are these banks and corporations getting help when good people are going down and the yeah. bank is nothing but crooked. And even his friend, who's a lawyer, you know, Toby's friend, who's a lawyer, says to him, hey, if you want this to be rock solid at the end of this thing, you need to just do the trust this way. And it's like you put it in the hands of the crooks and no, and they'll, you'll never get caught. Yeah. Because the bank's a bigger criminal than you are. Yeah. Well, so the scene that I most loved in the movie that, that just got me was the 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 other diner there was the first diner with the with the girl that was flirting with the uh, chris pine mm-hmm. but the other diner where so so hamilton and parker the rangers bridges in birmingham they're they're going to stake out this the the last remaining bank that they think that the that they're going to hit there's a, there's two of them they think this is the next one and it's in this little crossroads town and they go to this place, and it's a it's a restaurant, and it says Texas T Bone Restaurant. And they walk in, and they sit down, and this battle axe of an old scrawny lady comes up and says, "What don't you want?" <laughs> and they say, "What? What don't you want? We only serve one thing in this restaurant for forty two years: T Bone steaks. One New Yorker came and ordered a piece of trout. We don't have any trout. We got T Bone. You get a choice." Corn or green beans. So what don't you <laughs> what don't you want? That was a brilliant scene because there are restaurants still in Texas where you get one thing. You yeah. know, you get the T bone steak. That's and, what they uh, have. I don't remember all the details. When I saw this uh, the first time, I saw it at the Alamo Draft House, and they had a uh, a live Q and A afterward, and uh, they had this lady uh, on, and uh, I don't don't believe she was an actress before this movie uh they just found her locally and uh you know had her uh perform this this part and uh yeah that is that is definitely one of the highlights and it's even if it's not like maybe that isn't an actual place in texas it feels like it could be and it, and it feels very very real and i've been in you know been by and been into small places like that all over the place maybe not quite that over the top but um it it, it felt very real to me yeah, I mean, real, that's the word right there. I mean, everything about this movie feels real. You know, there's a lot of driving in the middle of nowhere. There's a lot of armed citizens walking around. <laughs> and there's just, I mean, everything felt so authentic. And and as Sean said, like, he knows these towns intimately from from his youth. And he's like, that is not, 
you know, this town. But I, but other than like the fact they didn't shoot in the physical locations, they really captured the spirit yeah. of things. And oh, yeah, almost, there's, there's little reference. There's little re- like they're in Vernon. They're like, we're going to go stay at that hotel up on 287. 287 goes right through Vernon. So it's like yeah. Archer City. You know, I'm, those are the things that were like made me excited. And it just, I really wish they would have been able to film. We stuff. really that's, do. Need, that's the only thing. Yeah. Well, we really, maybe. But, Maybe they uh, heard our podcast about Texas Rising. We're like, you know what? We're going to get this right. Well, I think I think what we just need to do is we need to rate. Um, we just need to have like a a, a wiki page or some kind of. Uh, we just need to rate Texas movies on and and TV shows on like a scale of authenticity. And I mean, I would give this one like it's five stars. I, I don't know, and we'll have to come up with some kind of scale. Maybe it goes from like. If you guys have an idea for what a clever scale might be to rate the authenticity of shows, but uh, this is one, this is definitely super authentic Texan, so you can't go yeah. wrong enjoying this film. Yeah, like so, like location authenticity. Viva Max has a one hundred percent location authenticity because they actually filmed it in the actual album. <laughs> um, unfortunately, you know, in terms of content authenticity, it's it's pretty low. But a location authenticity, very high. You know, Texas Rising. Very low content, very low location authenticity. Look, here's the thing. Uh, So should you or shouldn't you as a citizen of Texas watch this movie? For me, it's it's 100%. Yeah, I mean it's a no-brainer. It, it it's a good movie. It's a good movie about Texas. Even if you're not from Texas, even if you're not that into Texas, what's wrong with you? Yeah, watch this movie because it's it's a good movie. Period. Yeah, it, it's it, it now it is rated R, so it's not for the kids. There's some there's some adult scenes and there's quite a lot of violence and there's quite a lot of language. So there's that great scene in the motel with poor Chris <laughs> Pine with his shirt yeah. pulled around his ears. When you see it, folks, you'll know what I'm talking about, and you'll you'll feel really bad for Chris Pine and what his dumb brother does. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. I mean, to get back to the the universal appeal of this, um, you know, we mentioned Chris Pine and Ben Foster. They play brothers. Um, as I mentioned earlier, they uh, they had already acted in a movie together, uh, The Finest Hours. Um, so they were able to carry that familiarity with each other directly into filming this movie. And so uh, there's actually several scenes in the movie where um, you see them. I mean, it's kind of like a montage type scene, um, but it wasn't scripted. It was just kind of improvised. I said, OK, uh, you know, do this thing. We've got this great light. Let's shoot some stuff to, you know, kind of as connecting scenes between other parts of the movie and. Um, it's those little moments that, re- you know, like I said, they really just crank up the realism and you can really see that, that they're, they're playing off of that familiarity with each other, like brothers would. Yeah. And there's a, there's a good scene where Chris Pine goes into the gas station to get, uh, tells him, go give me Dr. Pepper. And, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> don't yeah, give it away. A, yeah. This, but, <laughs> but no, but, but no, then he fine. comes give out. It away. He comes out, you know, there's some things that happen, and then they're driving away. He said, what, what is this, Mr. Pibb? That's all they had. He said, it's only a-holes drink Mr. Pibb. <laughs> yeah. That's true. It's true. Yeah. Listen, I, I'm not so, going to lie. It doesn't give, it away. Give, it doesn't give away the scene, but it's, it's just, uh, that to me was the most Texan thing about the movie, too. A Texan would have a problem yeah. with Mr. Pibb. So, they're in so, Oklahoma when it happens, so. Yeah. So go watch this movie. I mean, the thing of it is, is, this was written by a Texan, and it feels like what he wrote really got on the screen. Um, I need to find the. I've been trying to find the original 
screenplay, and uh, I, I definitely just want to read it just to enjoy it. But uh, this is a beautiful piece of Texan art. It's about Texas. It celebrates Texas, especially if you're from West Texas. I don't think you can go wrong with this. So absolutely find this movie and watch it. Consume it. Support it. Tell people you want Texas movies. I, I can't say enough good things about it. Come and Take It gives it five stars. And that's all we got. We don't have six. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook. Follow our show on Twitter at Texas Podcast or go to brainstable.com to leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two ends. And I'm Scotticus. You love this show? You love Texas movies? So go out there, get a copy of Hell or High Water, watch it, enjoy it, tweet us, tell us what you like, but also get on iTunes and leave a review of this show because it really helps us out to find new listeners just like you. And you can be a true fan and support the show financially. Visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast where you too can become a come and take it Texas Ranger. We hope you join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway. <laughs>